We care about our land more than somebody down in Ottawa. A land code puts the First Nation into the power of government. The biggest point for me is your ability to protect your reserves lands. Former chief of our community had the vision to sign uh, and the guts to sign that framework agreement. Business at the pace of business. I think it just proves that First Nations lands management really is working. The good thing about land code, we don't have to sell it. It sells itself. And joining me now from Mississauga First Nation is Jim Cada, Director of Operations. Jim, great to have you on the podcast. Well, thank you. So great to participate in this. And I think you have over three decades now uh, with your position and with the band. And I suspect you're one of the longest serving folks who've been dealing with the land issue and land code. Is that right? Um, yes. And I basically, I think when I really got involved was in uh, 1992. Uh, we had a Northern Boundary land claim negotiations that were going on. So it's been uh, it's been a long it's been a long haul, and uh, ever since then, then we had to get into the uh, it was uh, it was settled in '94, and we had, after that we got into the uh, implementation of it, and to this day we are still in the implementation stage. We have uh, one two steps left, I guess. Two steps left, and what's that? Well, yeah, no, there's uh, we had we had to purchase uh, private properties uh, as part of the settlement agreement, and now we're at the stage where we're trying to. Uh, uh, have them added to the reserve the ATR. So we're 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 close, and I don't know. I know Christmas is coming, but I'm I'm hoping that we get it done uh, this uh, by the summer. Sounds good. Can you take me back to when you first heard about the land code and why you thought you know this might be a good deal for uh, Mississauga? Um, I first heard. Well, actually, it was uh, in 1999. Um, one of the things when we were in the negotiations, uh, Phil Goulet was. Uh, Indian commissioner at the time. So he was well aware of, uh, you know, the settlement agreement and that we were getting 40,000 acres. So he brought uh, Robert and Austin uh, to the community and, and they made a presentation to us and we never looked back. Wow. Because we were getting 40,000 acres of uh, crown lands. So. Yeah. So, of course, you have to go through a develop developmental phase before you become operational. Do you remember how the community was brought into that? Because this is largely a, a community effort. Yeah, well, in we signed the adhesion in 2003, and I think that was in uh, March. And by that summer, I think we had a, we had a draft, uh, a, at least a, a draft land code uh, at that time. And one of the things I think that I really wanted to point out was the fact that in the negotiate or in the implementation, um, there was a road that went through the private properties that we had purchased. Ontario or Canada didn't want to accept responsibility for that road, so we proposed that we would add a schedule to our land code, um, allowing access for those um, private property owners, and we resolved the problem. I mean, there were, there were you know, two years they were fighting over over it, and then finally, so. We did that then, and uh, but we had the number of community engagements. Um, it was all sent out to all of membership by via mail at that time. So, like I said, I mean, we've had a, a, a unfortunately we didn't. Well, it took us a number of years. Um, we didn't pass it until two thousand and nine. Um, but just going back, I think one of the other things that we found was when we're, when they were doing the legal description for the lands, uh, just how bad our our lands were, were managed by the department and uh, basically how they interpret some of the historic surrenders. So since that time, I mean, we've got two more claims on the go. 
did you have any issues with land registry at all? We had no no issues at all there. Uh, the the biggest thing there was um, there were no CPs on on the sort of the, well the occupied land base. Um, and for those who aren't familiar with the the term CP, maybe you can just explain that quickly. Cer certificate of possessions. We didn't have a lot of surveys. Uh, there was no surveys uh, for for any uh, any of the reserve. I don't think they well they started back in. Uh, I think the first one when we did sort of is sort of a subdivision, not a subdivision, but the community was, I would say, in the early '80s. So, how, uh, in layman's terms, how do you think the community has benefited from from having a land code? Well, we've been able to uh, pass a lot of uh, pa we passed a number of laws. Um, you know, there, we got the waste management. Uh, we went from a, a landfill site to a transfer station. We have sort of a noise bylaw or noise law. Um, then lately was the uh, community protection law, um, and with that, that was a, an added bonus, especially with the COVID, when we stopped uh, uh, visitors from coming into the community. We didn't do uh, we we didn't do uh, man barricades or anything, but we did we had because uh, we are a small community, so it was uh, and we had our had our own. Uh, well, they're they're First Nations, but they're OPP. Um, in that program, so it uh, it 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 worked out good for a while, and I think we were three months, and then we finally got brought them down. Um, so, and it, it didn't take us long because once we uh, once we had the law, we just basically passed the BCR saying this is where we're going. There were a number of people that got charged. Yeah, a number of communities out here pretty much followed the same procedure and brought in you know partial lockdown or a full lockdown depending on the circumstances. So yeah. I guess just going back to the land code, one of the other things, uh, uh, and it goes back to sort of the management of what, what I say of, of, of our lands historically, um, we only passed our land code on 0 0.16 acres. Uh, it's not even enough for, it's not even 630 square feet to do, believe me, not even enough for power, but yet, you know, it's, uh, it, 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 it's, it's something that we said, okay, well, let's move forward. The, the lands got reserve status, uh, the 40,000 acres in 2010, uh, March. And then I think two months later, we had it added to our land code. So, and we've been just, you know, moving forward and hopefully resolving all our, resolving all our other issues. Does the band generate any own source revenue from, from leasing on any of your property? Well, we don't have a lot of, we don't, we're not into a lot of leasing as, as of yet. I mean, we do, um, like I said, so, so that was only 2010. I mean, yet it's been 10 years, but, um, we there is uh, uh, two uh, high transmission hydro lanes, uh, so you, you th that generates revenue, and then there's also a 12 inch natural gas line, and uh, those uh, I, were part of the uh, the settlement agreement. And the interesting thing, well, was that it took Canada seven years to finalize a permit with hydro, and then five years for not uh, uh, Union Gas. So one of the things we ended up doing was we approached uh, uh, Union Gas, and they were very cooperative. And basically, they replaced in 2012. They replaced the, their uh, their agreement with Canada with the land code uh, agreement. And just recently, Hydro actually signed on. So we so they're both under our land code and sort of under our jurisdiction now. In speaking with another uh, some other folks, especially. Uh... Austin Bear and Darcy Bear out west. They talk about not only this 
being a step toward self-government, but it's just brought so much pride back to communities because they're taking over the land and they're starting to preserve land for those you know seven future generations. Has it struck an emotional chord as well, or that kind of a connection with Mississauga? Well, yes, and uh, I mean, one of the other things, and this was, uh, again, it goes back to uh, us getting ready, I think, after 1999 is in 2003, we actually had a draft uh, land use plan. So within that, you had your sort of our historic sites or sacred sites. uh, um, And uh, it was just anything we could look at at protecting, uh, you know, fish hatcheries areas and, and stuff like that. Unfortunately, we haven't, um, it kind of got got stalled. Uh, we've tried to revive it, I think, uh, a few years back, but we're, we're shooting for um, the end of March next fiscal year to have our uh, that land use plan passed. So um, it has been difficult doing anything the last year and a half because of the, <laughs> the COVID. You can't really do any consultation. Yeah, there's a community out here that's in the developmental phase, and I think uh, they've been pushed back a little bit as well because of the pandemic. So it's unfortunate, but we all have to deal with it, I guess. Uh, yeah, and you know, and, and that's the thing is, is it, it you know it does sort of slow the process. I mean, they still could uh, you know advance some things, and but it's 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 the the consultation that that's that's huge. It, it's very interesting when you look at the map of the number of communities involved in some capacity with land code. Uh, I think there's about one third of all First Nations across Canada are involved some way or another. When you look back to the beginning days, did you ever think you'd reach you know almost a hundred operational First Nations in that first twenty five years? Well, the hundred is coming hopefully soon, <laughs> and uh, well. I honestly, when I first we first got into it, we weren't sure where it was going. But I think over uh, after we had signed on, um, you could see the interest that was generated. I mean, we started with fourteen, so um, as as we progressed, and then the stories being told by those that had had passed their codes already, especially like you said for uh, for Darcy and in Austin, uh, 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 who was there when the. Uh, but the, yeah, you could see the progress and what they had made, and and I think for me the biggest thing was the fact that you know what, we are in charge. It's it's us, and uh, not uh, not dealing with the department anymore. So it's uh, it, it, that's a great feeling. At least on the land provisions, right? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, on the land provisions. But I, I, there's not really not a heck of a lot more of the Indian that I find that really interferes with us in, in that aspect. I mean, you have your. Uh, your wills and estates, but I mean, they've got that and uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it it affects, it does affect lands and land registrations, but um, it's something that, you know, something that's being looked at. Do you get involved much with advocacy and, and speaking with other First Nations who are, you know, sort of teetering on whether they should or shouldn't proceed with the land code? Uh, um, yes, I, geez, I don't know how many First Nations I've gone to, uh, one, two, I, I, I had the uh, gone on a few uh, presentations there was uh um i was out in thunder bay um we did the two first nations out there um perry island uh trying to think about some of the other ones that we that that i had attended uh you believe it was uh Boisolet. uh so and it, it was good and it was interesting um you know everybody had to take i was in uh i also did one in uh and well, that one was was interesting, but I, I I guess for me a lot of mine uh, 
what was geared on how uh, the land code really helped us move uh, things forward. I won't say expedite for ATRs, but helped us move things forward because now we, we deal with the third party interests ourselves and it can be done a lot faster. Yeah, I was going to ask you about business relationships and do you find those have improved since you've adopted land code? Um, I would I, I would say yes. I mean, before Hydro would even talk to would even talk to you. So, but Union Gas was awesome. I not who are now Enbridge Gas, but it was uh, you know those those were were, were two key ones. Um, dealing, I haven't had a lot of dealings with Bell and so on and so forth. But we do. Uh, oh, we have a great great rapport with the Town of Blind River, which is uh, which borders our reserve. So. Fantastic. Uh, the first time I heard about Landcode and became involved with the project uh, from this point, I, I was amazed at the website that the Resource Center has because they've compi compiled an incredible rich resource of information and templates and training modules. And uh, I don't know if you want to give a shout out to those folks, but. Oh, most definitely. I mean, one of the things, like I said, after 2003, once we became, we, we were right involved. I, I mean, I developed a good rapport with with all of the staff at that time and uh i think that uh, the director uh miko well miko wasn't director at that time but uh, I, we, de we developed that rapport and uh with all the staff and how big it's grown and and you know when you talked about you know going out and doing presentations to communities those have um drastically reduced and it's because of the knowledge and, and whatnot of the staff we miss our agms i can imagine Yes. Uh, you mentioned Miko, the executive director. Uh, we did an interview with him. I think it was episode eight last season. So I'd encourage uh, anybody to go back and listen to that. You can find it on Buzzsprout or any of the major platforms, Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. So awesome. Anything else you'd like to talk about in terms of celebrating the 25th? I would just like to say that, you know, um, uh, our legal counsel, has been awesome, uh, Bill and uh, Aaron. It's uh, I, I I miss them. So every time we uh, tend to have a, a a board meeting where Bill's present, we gotta step outside and have a spoke together. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody wanted to get in touch, Jim, and just to find out more about your experience, do you have a, a preferred method for them to reach out to you? Yes, they, they would be. Um, they're probably better off you know, through my email, uh, Director of Operations at uh, MrSoggy.com. Uh, we do have our website. I think it might be on there, but I'm also I also have an LAB one, but it's probably better with the director one because it's, that's the one that's busy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll be sure to put that in the show notes along with the podcast. So, I really appreciate your time today, and we'll let you get back to work. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Join us in the days ahead as we continue our exploration of the land code. I'll continue our conversations with a diverse group of chiefs and land managers. In fact, we'll head east to speak with experts on the ground in the Atlantic reach. Also, there's a full suite of resources at labrc.com. And you can connect with our Resource Center staff by email or the toll-free number that you'll find on the website. I'm Richard Perry. Thank you for listening.